What's going on, guys? Welcome to NBA Unwrapped, episode 48. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by Perry Aston and Max Arzen. How are you guys doing today? What's going on, guys? What's going on? How's it going? Got a lot of stuff to talk about. NBA is the craziest sports league in the world, and it never fails to disappoint. But I love it so much. Like, there's not even a word to describe how <laughs> I love the NBA. It's just every day there's Obsession. more stuff happening. Yeah. Obsession. It's crazy. Before we get into everything, I want to remind you guys to go ahead and follow us on Twitter, at NBA Unwrapped. And follow me on Twitter, at Corbin Unwrapped. Perry on Twitter, at Perry Aston. And Max on Twitter. I'm going to try to get this right. At Party Max, right? Yeah. And that's with, with an the, eye. Yeah. With an eye. Yeah. See? I, I'm You're actually... I'm proud of myself. You're, he's You're on getting there. You're I mean, there. I... Whew. And also, make sure to listen to our podcast either on podcast.com, on the Apple iTunes podcast app, or through our Pulse Podcast Network. They have their own app. They have other podcasts on there as well, not just sports-related, but all kinds of different genres, so go ahead and check that out as well. Before we get into everything, though, just want to have a quick word from one of our sponsors, and then we will get on with the show. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With TickFlix... The price you see is the price you pay. And TixFlix just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TixFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want and BAM! It's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TickFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TixFlix. That's TixFlix.com. T-I-X-D-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Thank you, TixFlix. Appreciate the message. We're going to start with Lonzo Ball, leaving Big Baller Brand. After a giant conspiracy theory, looks like he's leaving for Nike. It's all through a post, so we're not 100% sure, but it shows like he has the number two jersey retired in the Lakers rafters while leaving for... Which has nothing to do with Nike, by the of way. Of course, but it's cool. but while it's leaving cool Nike, leaving a quote that looks like a Nike quote, saying it's pretty much a dream until it happens, with the rafters behind him with number two. So I think Lonzo Ball right there is stating that he's leaving Big Baller brand for Nike. You saw his manager today throwing away a pair of BBB shoes, looking like dump the merch. It looks like Lonzo Ball is completely cutting ties with Big Baller brand. Yeah, and the reason why this is happening right now, a few days ago, Lonzo Ball reportedly separated all contact and anything to do with Alan, I'm forgetting his last name, he was a co-founder of the Big Baller brand, family friend of the Ball family since like 2010. Uh, apparently Lonzo Ball and LeVar Ball do not do their homework into looking into people's background. Alan, and again I'm forgetting his last name, but he served, I believe it was nine years, either seven Alan or nine Foster years. Was his name. Yeah, Alan, Alan Foster. Foster. Alan right. Foster. Served seven or nine years in prison right before he met the Ball family for fraud and money laundering. And essentially what he did was he would befriend African-American families with money, promise them huge returns on their money if they invested with him with whatever he was trying to pitch to them. 
and then he'd essentially take their money and they wouldn't hear from him again. Now, I know with the Ball family and Big Baller Rand, obviously he was a big part of what was going on and he was still there managing stuff, but Lonzo Ball reportedly got an email from his financial advisor back in, this was like last October or November, saying that he couldn't find $1.5 million of Lonzo Ball's money and that Alan Foster couldn't account for that money. And his financial advisor ended up resigning. He said, I can't do this when there's this much stuff going on. You guys really need to look into Alan Foster. Right. And they just didn't. But then about two weeks ago, Lonzo Ball was doing an interview with ESPN. And ESPN asked him off camera what his whole thought process was with having a convicted felon run part of his big baller brand. And that was news to Lonzo Ball. He said, what do you mean? They said, oh, you didn't know that? Alan Foster, who owns 16% of Big Baller Brand, served time in prison because of money laundering and fraud. And he had no idea, so he looked into that stuff, put the pieces together finally. We all agree he should have he should have just taken control of his own life, regardless of if Alan Foster had been in prison before or not. He should have taken control of his life a long time ago, but it's good to see that he finally is now. With Big Baller Brand, that's a family statement. I get it. You want to start... Something that hasn't been done before. It was a cool thing to see. It's a cool thing. And we all thought it was crazy, but it happened. So we all just accepted it. Lonzo Ball and his family doing whatever they want with BBB. But the thing is now, when you see this stuff happening, now you see Lonzo posting this Instagram photo about possibly joining Nike. This is something you should have done a year ago, two years ago, where you should have joined Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, Puma. I don't care where you signed. It was you looking after yourself, not just joining whatever your father told you to join. And I get that LeVar Ball and his family are fun to listen to. But when it comes to Big Baller Brand, this is something that has now affected his life negatively. You see the partner, quote unquote, that they took on, Robert Foster. You just said he's a convicted felon. Alan Foster. Convicted felon. Lonzo Ball had no idea. So now... How but much homework are you doing? Are you yeah, really knowing who you're taking into your core? Are we really are we really surprised that LeVar Ball didn't no, do his homework? No, it's not a surprise, but this is your <laughs> core team. So you need to do your homework on this is their a history. Someone's this is your someone business that partner. is owning a percentage of your business. You need to make sure that they are a good person. They know what they're doing. They're looking out for the right side of your business. You can't bring on people that are sketchy that are looking for out their own personal agenda look how much money they just took from big baller brand there's a reason why lonzo is now moving on this guy completely did them dirty and you should have known this you should have seen this coming what's amazing is the fact that this single action completely destroys a completely bullshit uh company in big baller brand and all the hype that's been around it for the last two years you think about it. Two years ago after LeVar Ball said that you replaced Lonzo on the Warriors with Steph Curry, they still win championship after championship. And then he comes out with the shoe, comes out with the company, the giant uh, price tag, what was it, yep. 495 Yep. Except that, if you were a size 14 or 15, which I'm a size 14, then it's 695 Wow. Jesus. And not, then, not like I was going to get the shoe anyway. It's a good no, thing but, I have and, small feet. It's and just thing. everybody who... Everybody who hated on LeVar just was called a hater and didn't believe in the project. Like, you think of Big Three. And then when uh, Jello got arrested, he got into it with the president to hype it up even more. Yeah. And then and then they go, where, the, where did uh, the boys go? Where did the boys oh, go? Oh, uh, Lithuania. Lithuania. Yeah. They, they hype up. Like, nobody's business. 
they hype up uh, the boys going to Lithuania and just like creating it. You can see it all on their Facebook show. Exactly. How many seasons do they have of that Facebook show? I don't know, but I. Whatever episode this whole Alan Foster stuff is going to be in, I want to yeah, watch Yeah, no, no, that. no. That's the thing. <laughs> I don't think we it. understand. We've never seen something so hyped up. Yeah. Like, this is like Fire Festival hyped up implosion right <laughs> this now. This is Fire Festival. This, this is Fire Festival. We're, we're thinking NBA about Lonzo going to Nike. Big Baller Brand is Fire Festival implosion right now. This is has everyone gotten, movie. Has everyone gotten their shoes? I don't even think so. Shoes. I don't think like, so. Like, so many people have talked trash about and these shoes. you guys who don't know Fire Festival, that's a festival. You can look at it on Netflix. Yeah, and actually really watch the documentary. It's about a festival that's supposed to happen that all started with a brand. Two different guys, one in particular, and just completely talking this up. Completely the next level stuff with this company. And that's exactly what this LeVar Ball stuff. Yeah, and they couldn't deliver on their promise. They couldn't deliver. Like and now you see LeVar Ball here dealing with the back of the house issues. And you have this partner, quote unquote, that is now screwing your company. And Lonzo Ball, what are you going to do right now? How old are you? 20, 21? This is the perfect time to take control of your own life. You've given your life to your father, to this company, to yeah. your brand that you thought was going to work out. It's fine. You did it early. You did it to a point where now it's recoverable. Go sign with a big brand. Go get yourself a deal. LeVar Ball, you're going to go join the shadows over there where everyone else that's irrelevant goes I don't and think sits. he's going to be gone, but... I think you should. I Hopefully. think in regards to your personal image for Lonzo Ball, if you have any future for Melo, I think you need to take a step back, realize that you took your shot, shoot or shoot, and you got screwed over. What are you going to do now? Go be the voice behind Nike? Go be the voice behind Adidas? He's, this all, isn't he's always going to be hyping his son up, and part of it's because... You can tell, and I, I watched a few episodes of the uh, Ball in the Family when Lonzo Ball was first drafted by the Lakers. You can tell Lon or LeVar Ball really does love his family. and the He loves himself. Stuff. No, but he, he really does love his family. Like, the sacrifices that he makes for his wife just being there all the time. Like, I am not going to ever say that he's a bad person or that his... I think her, his intentions are always... He means good. But the way that he goes about doing the stuff that he does, it just... It's politically incorrect, and you can agree yeah. with that. He may have his own way of doing things, but it's not helping his son's careers. No. It's not helping their image. No, so and if you want to look after who you believe in, your sons, your family, you take a step back. You realize where your place is. You realize that you swung and missed. You had a misfire with Big Baller Brand. That's fine. Things happen. It's business. But you take a step back. You let them do their thing with their careers. And then maybe you step back in a year or two from now when Lonzo's doing well with the Lakers. When Melo gets drafted by a team where they really need him. Then you step back into the spotlight. But for right now, you take a step back because clearly it's a miscalculation. And you need to realize where you're at and do some damage control for your son's careers. Yeah, and we have seen it somewhat. LeVar Ball, this past year, has not nearly been in as much of the media as, as he much. was the first year. And I think part of that's also the LeBron effect. Yeah. But moving forward, yeah, LeVar Ball needs to take even a bigger step back. If the Lakers do fire Luke Walton, which I think we all can agree they're probably please, going to end please. up. Please, I'm begging you. Please fire Luke Walton. But I don't want to hear LeVar Ball talking about how he can be a better coach than whoever the Lakers end up hiring. I don't want to hear him comparing Lonzo Ball to 
any other player, especially a superstar, just because it does Lonzo Ball a disservice in a sense that Lonzo Ball, if he did not have all of this hype around him, and if he could stay healthy, that's another thing, but if he could stay healthy and he didn't have all this hype around him, Lonzo Ball is a very good player, and some of the stuff that he does can't be measured on the stat sheet. He's a much better defensive player Completely. than any of us thought. With him on the court compared to off the court, oh, the Lakers yeah. are a much better team. It's not even the comparison. And with him going down, you can tell that the defensive intensity was not even close to where it was with him. Not helping, even, Lu- even, not helping Luke Walton's yeah. case at all. Even with LeBron James coming back, because I thought as soon as LeBron came back from his injury, okay, Lakers are going to pick it's back up from where time. they now it's left off. Now all of a sudden it's activated. Yeah, so. and Lonzo Ball, these past two years when he's been healthy, I don't remember the exact record, but I believe the Lakers have a winning record when he's on the court, and their record with him off the court is awful. Right. And then that includes this year when LeBron plays and Lonzo doesn't. They've been horrible this year. And that's another thing, actually, I want to bring up. So I think we're good on the Lonzo and big baller brand stuff. Right. But really quickly, because we're talking about the Lakers have officially been knocked out of the Western Conference playoff race. Yeah. It's just a formality now. It was a foregone conclusion. We knew this. We At the beginning of this out. month, when they lost... I think this month started out, they lost to the Bucks on a Friday night, and then the next night in Phoenix, they lost to the Suns. Badly. Then, yeah. Badly. Well, they came back, and then, yeah, they, they were down by, like, 20 in the fourth, came back, ended up losing. Then they lost the Clippers the next game, and I think at that point, okay, they were not making the playoffs, but now they're officially out. I want to ask both of you, and Max, I'll start with you. LeBron James is still playing for the Lakers, and he's playing about 30 to 35 minutes per game. There was also a physical therapist who worked with LeBron James. I don't know if you guys saw this a few days ago. Posted something on, I believe it was Instagram, and then deleted. It was a picture of her with LeBron James saying how she's amazed by his work ethic and how he sacrifices for his team. And she knows the injury that he went through because she was working with him. And that injury should have kept him out for six months, not six weeks. He came back early and fought through excruciating pain just so that he could be there for his teammates and not let them down. She ended up deleting the tweet, but there's got to be some truth to that. With all of that being considered, and even if LeBron James wasn't dealing with coming back from an injury, is there any sense in him continuing to play in the Lakers' last 10 games or however many they have left? you got to remember, the whole point for uh, the Staples Center is they got to sell tickets. At the end of the day, people are not going to come if the main attraction isn't there, regardless of how well or how bad they're playing. The, the goal at the end of the day is to get fans to the games, and if they're not going to be at the games, that's a problem. But couldn't you also argue just to not be so short-sighted with this? Because you play in these last 10 games, if something does happen and that dips into the beginning of next season, I think the hype going into next season, whether they end up landing another superstar free agent or trade for another free agent, it's, okay, this is a new year. We got LeBron James. He's completely healthy versus these last 10 games. Yes, okay, maybe they don't sell out each game. It's still the Lakers. It's the Lakers, unlike most other NBA franchises, when you go to a game, it's not just, oh, I'm going to the game because I love basketball. It's, I'm going to a Lakers game. And that's a status symbol in a lot of people's eyes. There are plenty of people that go to a Laker game, spend however much they need to spend to go, get good tickets, not because they love basketball, but because, oh, look at me. 
I'm at a Lakers game. Here's the difference. You sit courtside at a Milwaukee Bucks game when they're not doing too well. You get a pretty good deal. You're sitting courtside at a Knicks game, a Bulls game, or a Lakers game when they're doing well or decent, and you're paying a pretty dollar. So what I'm saying right now is, yes, Max, you're correct with you got to put the main attraction out there on the court. Regardless, if you're going to a Lakers game and they're not doing too well, that's a $30 discount on your ticket. Maybe a $40 discount on your ticket. Lakers, you're gonna Lakers go. don't like to give a discount. You're going to go. If the yeah. ticket value is less, you're going to go. Not because of the fact that you want to see competitive basketball. You're going to a Laker game with your date or whoever you're going with. And yeah, that might not sound like you're an intense basketball fan or intense sports fan. This is Los Angeles sports. You're going because you can. And if this is a game that's maybe a little less priced, you're going to go. So with LeBron James, yeah, maybe you aren't playing up to par as you usually are. In reality, he is, stat-wise. But the team around him isn't as great. You're still going to go to the game. You're still going to go enjoy it. So that's the thing with me. The belief is that you are going to go to a Laker game regardless. And yeah, if LeBron James, LeBron James sits with... One or two games because of load management? Yeah, I'd rather he be healthy for next year. He shouldn't be... It's in the Lakers' best interest to not play him. Not just one or two games, but the rest of the year, don't play him. They beat the Kings last night by five. LeBron James had a triple-double, I think 29-11-11. That's amazing. Who yes. cares? At this point, this season is it's done in, with. It's in their best interest to continue losing. Right now, they have the 10th worst record in the NBA. Realistically, they could move up to the 6th worst record in the NBA. I believe they're about two games ahead or behind, however you want to define it. They have two more wins than the team with the 6th worst record in the NBA. That win last night could have really hurt them. Even if they don't end up getting a top 4 pick, getting lucky, just the difference between picking 6th versus picking 10th, that's that's that's, that's either difference. that's either the difference between a marginally better player that will be playing next to LeBron James next year or a marginally better asset that you can use to maybe not have to package as much with your current players to get a superstar through a trade, whether it be Anthony Davis or somebody else. Well, it all really depends because there's all talent throughout the draft. It really all depends on how you nurture talent. So I was thinking about earlier today, um, think about back in 07. The big debate between Greg Oden and yep. um, Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant. you got to remember there was a whole bunch of other guys in that draft that did well too. Joakim Noah, Al Horford, Corey Brewer did pretty well. Uh, Thad Young had a, has had a good career. Like there were all those other guys well, but like Oden was considered a generational talent. Durant was considered a solid number two. You think back to, yeah. um, what was it, 2008, the next year, it was Rose... Who was second? Yeah, Rose, Rose Beasley, Beasley, Mayo, May, Mayo Westbrook, the, and then Kevin Love. Yeah, Westbrook and Kevin Love were the... You weren't really sure about them because Westbrook they got was bounced. the one. They yeah. got bounced bad. In, well, it wasn't just that. Order. It was Russell Westbrook in college just didn't seem like a surefire. He didn't feel like someone who should be a top five pick because he didn't do that much at UCLA. Yeah. He wasn't even their starting point guard. He was the two guard because Darren Collison was the point yeah, guard. Yeah, and then think... Think to uh, the year after that. It's uh, what is it? It's Blake Griffin, Hashim Thabit. God, God help us all. Uh, and <laughs> then, yeah, and then James Harden and yep. Tyreek um, Evans. Tyreek Evans. Everybody then, knew Tyreek was a stud that year. But did anybody really know who Tyreek Evans was? Or not Tyreek Evans? James Harden was. No, me. James Harden. Most people didn't. No, most people didn't know. So there's talent. There's always talent in the draft, regardless of where you pick. It's not. Ha- 
it's not the talent, it's how you nurture the talent to the next level that's important. Yes, but I just think different drafts, like this draft... It's stacked. I wouldn't say it's stacked. I think it's more more top-heavy. I'd say more top-heavy, I agree. But not just like, oh, if you're in the lottery, you have a good pick. It's more like... I would say you had a solid shot. The top five, seven, eight players... I think there's a big difference between having a top five pick in this draft versus a top ten. Completely. I agree with you, Corbin. The talent in this first round isn't overpowering, and when you bleed into the second round, it's not like you're saying you can still grab a guy or two. You're taking a flyer in the second round this year compared to past years. Yes, obviously, but with the first round, like you said, past the lottery, this is no surefire. You got to have a a top five pick, top ten pick to know that you're getting your guy. Yeah, but I'm saying even the difference between having a top five versus top ten. So I was looking at a mock draft recently, Lakers at the number ten pick, picking Nasir Little. At that point, Nasir Little has not shown that much in college this year. I'd kill myself if we took Nasir Little. Put it that way. (laughs) You're... You're drafting someone at that spot a lot more on potential versus what they've shown. Whereas and this is number ten. Whereas exactly, and I think in a lot of drafts in the past, you take someone at number ten. Okay, maybe part of it, the potential definitely goes into the equation, just like it does with any pick. But I think that the quality player you're getting immediately at number ten in most drafts is higher than you would in this one. Whereas a top five pick in this draft. Look, obviously you got Zion's going number one. You got Ja Morant and R.J. Barrett who are going to battle for the second pick. You still have Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech. Yeah, you also got to consider the guys from Europe that'll come over that don't really show themselves until like May and June. Right, but look, I don't know much about the European players that are coming over right now. But in years past, if there's going to be a high pick who's a European player... By now, you have usually heard of them, and you've started... I didn't started... know about Kristaps until literally... Oh, the I was draft. hearing about Kristaps really? well before the draft, yeah. What about Luca? Luca, yeah, because he was, he was putting on a show for the EuroLeague. I knew Luca because he was winning MVP in the EuroLeague. Yeah, I didn't hear about Luca until, like, May. Luca, Luca, I heard about, I think, even before Kristaps. But mm-hmm. anyways, the point is that getting back to the Lakers and LeBron James in particular, regardless of the NBA draft and how it helps your positioning or not, just from a health perspective with him, he took a scary fall against the Brooklyn Nets last Friday night where he was trying to drive baseline and slipped. You just don't want to leave anything up to chance. There's no reason to continue playing him for any on-court purposes. The only If your only argument is, oh, well, we need to play him so that we sell more tickets for these last 10 games. Don't think about it that way. Think about it as keep him healthy so that he has, for the first time in nine years, a full offseason to get his body right so that next year, those 10 games that you didn't sell as many tickets or for as big of a price, how about next year you make the playoffs and you have 10 home playoff games, even five home playoff games, you'll make up the difference and then some. Right, completely. You're the 11th seed right now. You should be looking towards next year, not this year. Why are you playing him right now? That's no. the only question. No, and it's not... I mean, they half of their young core isn't even there, so it's not like you can play him because, oh, well, you want them to get reps in together. The only piece they have from their young core right now that's healthy is Kyle Kuzma. It's Kuzma, and at this point, he's not gaining off playing with LeBron. No. Kuzma, yeah, they're going to play Kuzma fine fits, together regardless. Kuzma fits... 
the most seamlessly out of all of the young players. I'm not worried about Kuzma's fit alongside LeBron. It's everyone else, and none of them are healthy. Now, with the Lakers, like we said, they're the 11 seed at 32 and 41. One interesting stat I want to bring up. The Celtics in the East, there are 43-31 and 31 the season right now. They wouldn't even be in the playoffs if they were the Western Conference. If the I want to bring that up right, right now. now. If the season ended right now, it wouldn't even make the playoffs if they were in the West. I want to bring that up. Yeah, the Celtics, it's almost like subtraction by addition this year, to kind of put it in reverse, because... Last year, Gordon Hayward went down. We all remember that first game of the season. Kyrie Irving was dealing with injuries throughout the season. A lot going on there in Boston. And then he ends up being out for the playoffs, and that gives their younger players... They're somewhat forced, but they were able to carry the burden and be put into the spotlight and be able to carry them all the way to the Eastern Conference. But then after experiencing that level of success where... Their young players were the main pieces that were carrying them there. Now you're asking them this year to adjust back to a role where they're not doing as much stuff as they did last year. And I'll be the first one to admit, I didn't see this coming. I did not realize how big of an impact that would have. But you think about it, it does make sense. Because even if the young players, they can tell themselves, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, both of whom have had disappointing years this year compared to last year. Completely. Terry Rozier, too, who was the starting point guard. Scary Terry last year for the Celtics. I hate even saying I that. I hate but. that name. <laughs> yeah. but I hate Scary Terry. Even, like, even, that's not even cool. But even if they are telling themselves, yeah, for the good of the team, I am willing to take a lesser role on this team offensively and defensively, just subconsciously there has to be some level of Wow, well, I know I can do so much more, but I just I have to defer to these other players. And then you got Gordon Hayward, who he's probably in the toughest spot out of all of them because last year before he got injured, he was a much better player than what he is even now. He's been working himself back up. He's looking better now than he did towards the beginning of the year, but still being able to fit Gordon Hayward into this whole equation as he continually continually changes and continues to get better, it's just a never-ending puzzle piece of how do we get all of this stuff to fit together. And they're running out of time because you listen to Kyrie Irving's quotes when they were playing the Charlotte Hornets, when was it, last night, and Kemba Walker cooked them for, I think it was like 36 points. They almost had a triple-double, and the Hornets beat the Celtics, which should not have happened. And Kyrie Irving, after the game, basically point-blank was saying, yeah, we should have doubled Kemba like every other team in the league, but for whatever reason we didn't. That's a coaching decision. you got right. to talk to Brad Stevens. And you're calling it your coaching? Yeah. Like, it looks like he's not staying in Boston next year, is my opinion. Yeah, I I would be surprised if he stays with the Celtics. Oh, yeah, that's without a doubt. Because you, if you really think about it, all the guys, Jalen Brown, um, Jason Tatum, and uh, Terry Rozier... They're all guys that were drafted by Boston and have bought into uh, Brad Stevens' yeah. system since the beginning. Kyrie got here beginning of last year. He got injured halfway through the year. He hasn't really bought into Brad Stevens' system. And this year he's been injured a lot as well. Still hasn't had time to buy into Brad Stevens' system. And if you want to win like the way Brad Stevens wins, you have to buy in. And it's as simple as that, and they're not going to do well in the playoffs if they don't buy in. Completely. And now that takes us to the playoff race. West and East, we're going to obviously talk about the West right now with them being so strong in the East with the Celtics not even being able to make it in. 
Let's start with the West. The Warriors are obviously up top, who we all think is going to win the, the championship this year. They're up only a half a game against yeah. the, the Nuggets. But what I really want to point out is the 6 seed to the 8 seed. The Clippers no, right now to five. the Thunder. And yeah, you can consider the, the 5, five right now with the Jazz too. So the 5 seed down to the 8. It is literally you lose one game. You go from the 5 seed to the 8 seed playing the Warriors. It well, is that quick. That's the thing, though, is that there's really three battles going on here. So at the top of the Western Conference, you have the Warriors, who right now are a half game ahead of the Denver Nuggets. That's just because the Warriors have won one more game than the Nuggets. They're both tied in the loss column. So nobody wants to play the Warriors in the playoffs, and especially not in the first round of the playoffs. The team's positioning at the back end of the playoffs. So you got the... First and second seed up for grabs. And then the 3-4 seed between the Rockets and the Blazers. Rockets are three and a half games back of the Warriors for the one seed. They're not going to catch them. There's about ten games left in the season. But there's a one-game difference separating the Rockets and the Trailblazers for the 3-4 seed. That in and of itself, you don't know if you want the three seed versus the four seed because it's a crapshoot for who you're going to be playing in the first round because like you mentioned, Perry, one game separates five through eight. But... If the Warriors finish as the one seed, you absolutely want to finish as the three seed because you don't want to play them in the semifinals. But if they finish as the two seed, I would much rather play the Nuggets in the second round of the playoffs than the Warriors. Not even a debate. Not even a debate. The Nuggets, really quickly about the Denver Nuggets, I think they have a great regular season roster. They're extremely deep. You're going to be able to manage injuries, which they did very well this year. They had a lot of injuries and still are right there battling for the number one playoff spot in the Western Conference. But when the playoffs roll around, they have Nikola Jokic, who absolutely is a star, but you have nobody else on that roster who you can say, here's the basketball, go get me points, take over this game. And I do not like any team that their best player is a center where... Just centers cannot take over a game and will you to a victory the way that a wing player could. Completely. And for that reason, I think I, I'll i see who the Nuggets end up playing in the first round. But if I had to bet right now, I would say the Nuggets don't make it out of the first round. Even if they finish as the number one seed. That's a bold take. That's not surprising. Take. It's not surprising. Yeah, I mean, so the Thunder right now are the eight seed in the West if the Thunder... Thunder play the Nuggets in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm putting my money on the Thunder. So we'll see, but there's a lot of exciting basketball, and it's just no team knows how they want to position themselves because everything is contingent on the Warriors. And then, Perry, I know we wanted to get to the Eastern Conference. Max, did you have anything to add to the West? With the the West, the only team I really see sitting at number three behind the Warriors and the the Nuggets nuggets is uh, the Thunder. They're just playing with a whole different level of energy. Do you think... if you power rank them. Well, since the deadline, I know Paul George has been out and dealing yeah. with a shoulder injury. Different he hasn't story. He yeah. hasn't completely looked like himself. But I'll agree if he can deal with his shoulder injury and get back to being healthy and play the way that he was before, yeah, I'd say the Thunder are the best or the third best team in the Western Conference. Really in the playoffs, I'd say even the second best because I'm not putting them I'm not putting the Nuggets ahead of them if I'm power ranking of them. Of course. Of course. Perry, do you agree? Paul George is not playing up to the level that he was before. So plain and simple, Russell Westbrook can hold his team down. But the Warriors are going to win this championship. We all agree. So I don't think it matters who's doing well in the West. It really matters who's going to prevail out of the East and who's going to be able to challenge them. If that's the 76ers, if that's the Bucks, 
any other team there in the East, the Raptors, I think it's still the Warriors' year to lose. Yeah, the Warriors are not losing. I think, with, when was it? The last podcast, I think it was the one where I did the solo podcast, talking about all of the different blowouts that the Warriors have had this year at home and on the road. Way more blowouts than they did any year previously. I think it was like probably, well, now with their loss to the Mavericks by 35, probably eight or nine blowout, like 20 point or more losses. And most of them, I think for, except for one or two, they've all come at home. And yeah, it's concerning, but part of the whole equation going into the Warriors season this year is just they're bored. I know they have DeMarcus Cousins now, and they're trying to figure out how to integrate him into it, but they, they've shown signs of being bored before, but now even more so because, look, you've won three of the past four championships. You are clearly the best team in the NBA. The conversation with the Warriors isn't, are they the best team in the NBA right now? It's, are they the best them. team in the NBA ever? Right. Mm. You got to make eight straight before you can talk about being okay. the best. Okay, we're not. Don't talk to me eight about the, the Celtics back when there were two Dude, rounds in the playoffs and then. Dude, win remember, a you got to understand who Drake of his veins. When there were eight teams in the Dude, NBA. Eight teams with. There's all, 30 teams in the NBA with, now. Like, so you imagine know every single pl- team being an all star team. You know what? Each championship for the Celtics back then counts as eight points because there were eight teams. Warriors. 30, because there were 30 teams, yeah, but so multiply that eight, out. 8 right, times 8, 64, okay, so Warriors got eight teams, 3 times 15 30. All-Stars per team, boom, game over. 8 teams, 15 All-Stars. you got to remember, they were the uh, best, what did my grandfather say they were? They were the best, uh, what was it, like 12 or twelve to 15 guys coming out of college. And then the, uh, what was it, the um, the CBA, the Continental Basketball Association. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So... If those Boston Celtics played these Golden State Warriors in a best-of-seven series, who wins? The Warriors. Max, who is guarding Kevin Durant? There isn't a man available I would say, in that yeah, time. What's that you know, Bill Russell was six foot nine. He was smaller than Kevin Durant. I'm not saying... Faster, though. It's not, a, of, what, it's not even a debate. Up. I you know Max Bill, lives in the You think Bill Russell era. was faster than Kevin Durant? You haven't seen Bill Russell. Oh, my God. Okay. Corey and I couldn't disagree more. This isn't even okay. a question. The Warriors nowadays would trump any team that would ever play ever. The best team ever put together. No question. Well, I think there's a debate to be had, but not with the 60s Celtics. Uh, 60s Celtics. Okay. I mean, regardless, there is no debate here because we're talking about the playing times now. But let's talk about the MVP race with Giannis and James Harden, who put up another 60-plus point game the other day and James Harden is playing out of his mind does the NBA committee give him a second in a row MVP or did they give it to an underdog like Giannis who was leading his team to a number one overall seed in the east I'm going to ask you guys who you think is going to take the MVP home this year Giannis is a clear-cut MVP and I have completely done a 180 on this because a month month and a half ago when we had our debate with Christian I was full on board James Harden getting another MVP, but what Giannis has been able to continually do this entire year, and yes, I know that James Harden is putting up at least just point scoring more gaudy numbers, but there's offense and defense involved with the impact that each player makes, and James Harden, yes, he plays better defense now than he used to. He at least cares somewhat about defense at times now. Giannis does everything for the Bucks offensively as a scorer, as an offensive rebounder, as a distributor, 
And then defensively, he takes the toughest matchup on defense every single game. And you couple that with the fact that the Rockets, we expected them to be one of the better teams in the West. The Bucks, they were, before the season started, kind of in that second tier. The first tier was, it was the Raptors, the Sixers, the Celtics, the Pacers somewhat in between. And then the Bucks were there with the Wizards who have completely disappointed. But those types of teams as, yeah, they're probably going to end up making the playoffs, but they'll be lucky to get into the second round. Whereas now it's the Bucks are, if they end up losing in the second round, it's a huge disappointment. And Giannis has been incredible just with all the numbers that he's been putting up. I think he has the, I think he's tied with LeBron James for the most 30 point, 10 rebound, five assist games in one season. I think, and then Jordan is third or something, but that's impact. That's impact around the entire team. It's not just scoring like James Harden. I know James Harden creates for others sometimes too, but Giannis is the clear MVP to me. Giannis is leading a team to the number one seed in the East at 27.4 points per game, 12.6 rebounds, and six assists. Those numbers are insane. I'm not even reading the defensive stats right now. Yeah, James Harden can score out of his mind, but his team has been riddled by injury. The Rockets right now, yes, they're making a push. Weren't that impressive in the beginning of the year. Yeah, they're making a push now with the team finally coming together. But on top of that, the committee's not going to give a guy two MVPs in a row if they can give a guy that has the entire fan base behind him an MVP and try and help the NBA's ratings. Yeah, you're going to give Harden an MVP two years in a row compared to Giannis for the first year, a foreign player that has led a team that no one ever expected to be number one seed, like you said, Corbin, a tier two team, you're giving it to Giannis without a question. You're not losing a blink of sleep. You're voting Giannis and not even questioning your decision. And also, really quickly, sorry, Max, before we get to you, I just want to add, Perry, you're right. If there's any, any argument to be had with voters between last year's MVP versus a newcomer for the award. Usually they're going to side with that player. On top of that, though, James Harden is one of the most volatile. I don't know if that's the right word, but there's so many different feelings involved with how people feel about his game because so many of his points do come at the free throw line where it's just, depending on who you talk to, a lot of people are going to say it's just not enjoyable watching James Harden play as it is for a different type of player at that caliber just because of how he goes about getting the points that he does. And for that reason, there's going to be a lot of voters too who are going to have it out for James Harden and be looking for any reason to give it to anybody else except James Harden. I think going off of that, it's um, because I've watched Giannis and he's a clear-cut favorite without a doubt. Like last year they were, what, the seventh seed after firing Jason Kidd? Yeah. Um, nobody really expected they, anything. They took them. the Celtics to seven games yeah. in the first round. But. but nobody really expected anything out, seriously out of them in Bud's first year. But the thing is, he's not as finishing as strong as I thought he would. Like, uh, I was watching him against the Sixers. Him against Ben Simmons, they were going back and forth. From an MVP like Giannis, I expect Giannis to take Ben Simmons to school. Didn't Giannis... Unless there was another game they played between each other. Didn't Giannis have like 50 points in that game? They still lost, though. 
Fair, fair point, but they still lost. At this point, at this point, it's more like we understand he's he's the best. He's one of the best in the league right now. It's he about is, getting the he is the best. Though. Yeah, he by, is the best. Yeah. By, yeah, he is the best. So that would be the MVP by yeah, the. Yeah, yeah. By no. definition, oh, no, no, he is. No, because yeah, I know he is the MVP. And leading his team. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I don't know how else to define it. No, I just like it's pushing them to the best and then further is what I'm. Most valuable player. I would give. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. Without even a blink of an eye. No, but yes, like Harden. Wait, so are you? Points, no, no, yeah, he's gonna be. A, he's okay. gonna be your MVP. Oh, you're I'm gonna just, make a case for Harden. No, 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 I'm not. But I, I say Harden's gonna lose votes because, as you said, he's. It's boring to go and see him. Right. But it's just, you expect, like, the way, um, you remember how Steph in 2015, how, like, watching him was, like, watching some, like something out of this world like you've never seen before. Like, I expected to just start seeing Giannis do stuff like I'd never seen before. Like, just from a big man. Like, you, like remember he did, like, um, a dunk in three steps from baseline to baseline. Or four steps from baseline to baseline. Like, expect uh-huh. something like that. Like, hitting the dunk from the college three-point line. Like, I... I or be, from behind the free-throw line. Just expect something crazy to happen. But I, and are you saying that Giannis hasn't done crazy stuff? No, he has. Seen he before? has. He's just not, like... Um, well, if that's what you expect from the MVP. This year. This year. This year what? It, I, haven't, I haven't felt the magic. Maybe it's just me. Are you kidding me? Okay. No, he's great. He's great. No, he, don't get me wrong. He's been amazing. There are every single... The Bucks are one of my favorite teams oh, yeah. to watch just because Giannis alone, you know every single game. It's like Zion in college with Duke right now. There's going to be at least a few plays where you just have to rewind and watch it three or four times because you just think, how does a human being do that? Right. Overpowering another team, which would make you the most valuable player in the league, you know what I mean? And for Rookie of the Year, obviously a similar kind of award race with two players being extremely close. Luka Doncic and Trey Young. Trey Young has put on an absolute show after the All-Star break here. He has been putting up game winners. He is sitting here fooling around. And if you don't pick Trey Young right now, yeah, I'm going to debate with you because I'm a Luka fan. But Trey Young is the hottest piece around the NBA right now. Luka Doncic, yes, although he has put up extremely consistent, impressive stats throughout the entire year, Trey Young has put up an absolute show since the All-Star break. For me personally, I'm giving it to Luka Doncic. I think he is the man among boys when it comes to rookies. He is the Ben Simmons of rookies, the guy that's clearly been there for like five years. Who knows how manly he is in comparison, but I'm going to have to give it to no question Luka Doncic right now. Yeah, I agree. I'm giving it to Luka Doncic. It is pretty incredible how Trey Young has closed the gap as much as he has because Luka Doncic has had one of the best rookie seasons of all time. Right. And Trey Young, especially, yeah, like you mentioned, since the All-Star break, he has looked very, very good. And I... I don't think even with as good as Trey Young has looked, just because he got off to such a cold start, especially from three, he was shooting around like 25% up until the new year on three-pointers. I don't think that Trey Young is good as he has looked. I don't think there's really a argument to be had between Trey Young and Luka Doncic for the best rookie. I think the better argument to have is when Luka Doncic 
came into this league the beginning of this season and was just setting the league on fire. Everyone said how stupid the Hawks were for trading back from that number three pick to the number five pick and taking Trey Young and how, oh, well, they only got a first-round pick out of it. Well, I think that's a better argument to have. Was that a good trade now for the Hawks? I think think this is one of the rare trades that actually worked out for both sides. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Both guys got both teams got their guy. Yeah. Both teams got the assets they needed, aka the Hawks getting that first rounder in regards to getting rid of Luka Doncic to the Dallas Mavericks. They got their guy and a first round pick in twenty twenty one. I'm calling that a win. I'm going. No, to it's sleep. the first round huh. pick this year. It's oh, this year, year. Yeah. I'm, I'm calling it a win. I'm going and to the sleep. Mavericks right now, I believe they have like the sixth or seventh worst record in the NBA. It's top five protected. So. There's a probably, I would say, about a 50-50 chance. I don't have the exact odds in front of me, but probably about a 50-50 chance that they get the Mavericks pick this year. And especially if that happens, yeah, it's a win-win for if the Mavs each keep team. The pick, holy crap. Yeah, if the Mavs get lucky and get a... Well, the draft lottery changed this year, yeah, so yeah, now yeah. it's the top four picks are done through the lottery. So that no, works. I think it's like a, it goes 14-14-14-12.5. Yeah, like, no, but I'm saying the... In the past, the lottery, it was only the top three picks were selected through the lottery, and then it was reverse order mm-hmm. in terms of who had the worst record. Now it's the top four picks are done through the lottery, not just the top three. So that helps any team outside of the top four have a better chance of getting a top four pick, whereas before it was only a top three. And Luka Doncic, I would rather want Luka Doncic on my team than Trey Young moving forward. I agree. But... With the Hawks getting that additional first-round pick, especially if it ends up being the sixth or seventh pick in this year's draft, yeah, that's an absolute win for that's both sides, win. like you said, Perry. I completely agree. One of those rare trades that worked out for both sides. Yeah. Let's talk Lou Williams being possibly the best bench player of all time. Passing Del Curry, most bench points of all time. I know you talked about it, Corbin, last time yeah. on your solo pod. I wanted to ask you guys, is he the best bench player to ever play the game of basketball? Max, we'll start with you. You're I don't have the check. We'll have something to say about that. I'm a stat guy. I'm a guy that goes by stats. Well, and Lou Williams check had some pretty good stats. Takes his shit on anyone that came off the bench. Plain and simple. Lou Williams should be a starter. Confused why he's not. Confused why he's never been a starter. Well, there consistently. Are just, there, are consistently. Just some, there are just some players that just... Lou Williams, the type of player that he is, is an ideal sixth man. Because he is someone who... If he is not scoring for you, which means taking a lot of shots, he's not making much of an impact for you because he doesn't play defense. He's an okay distributor. He can make plays for others, right. but he doesn't really. It's you get him in. He's it's a baller. For, it's for yeah. him to score. Yeah, Plain and simple. He's a baller. He's a professional bucket getter. Yeah, butter. And on most teams in their starting lineup, you have other players that are capable enough of creating for themselves, and your offense usually with your starting lineup is fine. Where you worry about your offense is when your second unit comes in. A lot of those players, for the most part, can't create for themselves. They're reliant on getting open shots from other playmakers. And again, while Lou Williams isn't a great creator for others, he's decent enough, and more importantly, he can absolutely create his own shot for himself. All day. And that's why I just think he fits... He fits so well off of the bench, and Max, I agree, Havlicek is someone who is a better player than Lou Williams, but for that, and I'm sorry, Perry, I know how much you love Lou Williams, but Havlicek is a Hall of Famer, Lou Williams... Eight-time champion. 
Yeah. It's the championship stuff. And you talk about Robert Ory, who has a kajillion championships, and in reality, only contributed in a big way to one or two. But Havlicek was a much better, I'm just saying, much, Lou, Lou much better player Lou than Williams, Robert Six and four. Lou Williams rides the bench for the Lakers when Kobe and Shaq were there. Lou Williams rides the bench for the Warriors during their run. That's a Hall of Famer, no question about it. Coming off the bench with those numbers, gets carried to two to three championships without even having to contribute to it. No question. Hall of Famer, no question best bench player to ever touch a basketball court. But I, because he was on teams that didn't strive to the point where Havlicek's teams did, he gets the short end of the stick. It's but not, in reality, it's not, I'm taking Williams over him. Havlicek was a better... Stat-wise. Havlicek, no, not even stat-wise. I think Lou Williams probably averaged more points per game over his career than John Havlicek. For sure, 100%. Nah. No? Did Havlicek average more? They average the same right now. Okay. It's uh, both 20 a game. For their career? Yeah. I didn't even realize Lou Williams averaged that many for his career. Oh, yeah. No, oh, no, 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 sure. never mind. Oh, Williams wait, never mind. That was this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for his career, 14 yeah, points 14, per game. 14, 2, and 3. But there are so many things that a stat sheet cannot tell you. Yeah. And Havlicek, at least in my opinion, was a much better overall basketball player than Lou Williams. But... I will say that Lou Williams, as your ideal sixth man... What about Jamal I, Crawford? Jamal Crawford is the guy who would be closest in the discussion with Lou Williams. Jamal Crawford was incredible in his prime. And he had, what, three sixth men of the year awards? Yeah. Lou Williams, though... I'd rather want Lou Williams as my sixth man than Jamal Crawford. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's fair. And that's fair. Lou Williams, he is not the best if you want to say best being most talented sixth man to ever play. But I will say, Perry, that he is the most... If I'm creating a sixth man player for any team that I have, I am taking Lou Williams. Lou Williams is my ideal sixth man. He's over John Havlicek, over anyone else. of all time. Not in the best position that a sixth man has been of all time. But, but when reality, you say best, you say most player talented. Player versus player. He's the most talented and the most statistically gifted <sighs> sixth man of all time. Okay. Plain and simple. And he played against good competition as well. So we'll talk <laughs> okay. about the old players who played against fucking plumbers. By, yeah. the, by the way, Max was saying, uh, before we started this podcast, he was saying that Bill Russell, if he was in the NBA right now, would be 6'9", 290. Oh, yeah. Without doubt. Oh, my God. Without yeah. doubt. Bill Russell, for anyone who doesn't know, he was I think he was listed at 215 pounds, and that was Spe- that was being nice. Speaking it's of, like, 6'9", 290, let's talk Zion Williamson. 6'7", 285. Size, practically. And Paul Pierce put out a statement that he's already a top 50 player all time. Any all time or Right now in the NBA. I'm pretty sure he said I top, thought it was 50. top 50. I thought top 50 in the NBA in right now. Regardless, I'm giving Zion the top 50 nod with Paul Pierce. 100%. He's the top. You're saying top 50 player in the world Completely. right now, right? Yeah. But you're not saying top 50 all time. I mean, he hasn't even touched the NBA yes. court okay. yet. So Thank it's you. Too I, early wanted, to I tell. wanted to make sure. Because I, thought, early to I tell. thought that's what you were saying. It's too early to tell. But where he's at right now, how old is he? 18 years old, 19 yeah. years old? He's absolutely Oh, right. I think he's going to finish as a top 50 player of all time for sure. Zion Williamson, to answer the question, you were asking if he's one of the top 50 players in the world right now? Yes. For sure. Yes, that's not even, not not even a debate. Top 25. That's, that's a debate. Top 25. I, Give me a I would actually, I would actually probably say he's a top 25 top player 25? in the NBA right now. Hot take. Call the, the hot take. Right call the stupid hot take. 
But top 25, 100%. Look at his size. Look at what he's able to do on a basketball court. Give me 25 players that can do more than he no. can. No way. And I will say this about Zion Williamson, too, is that LeBron James, you think about a surefire number one overall pick where you know this player is going to completely impact the game and change the way that defenses have to play against him and his team. LeBron James, 100%, the most surefire draft prospect of the last, I don't know how many years. You could go back a long, long way, maybe back to even Magic, because Jordan wasn't even picked number one in his draft. It was Hakeem Olajuwon, who was a really good number one pick. But LeBron James, 100%. Zion Williamson right there is like a 99% surefire. You know what you are getting with him, and it is going to be so scary for every other team having to defend him right. and I am so excited to see him in the NBA because you if you watched the Duke versus UCF game uh, when was it on Sunday he took it over he's going up against a 7 foot 6 guy in Taco Fall who averages I think just under 3 blocks per game Taco Fall, I don't know if he's going to end up making it into the NBA. He might be a second-round pick. Yeah, I think he's not, not going to be in agreement. He's going to make it in the NBA regardless. I think someone's going to take a shot on him because he's not like most seven foot six seven players. Seven six, you expect uncoordination. Yeah, you expect that's guys what I was to just fling it all over the place. This guy actually has yeah. control over his body. He's able to run the floor, and he's, he's strong. Actually, he's, he's seven be, six, three ten, I believe. Yeah, yeah no, that's that's yeah. a guy that can bang like, in the, the NBA. I mean, for just. Sure. The, Guys that size, you don't see that anymore. Yeah. When was the last time well, you've seen a guy that just remotely, or seven, you, even with seven four once with in a while, Bryce Kumaji? Yeah. Like, when was the last time you saw that? Like, and legitimately. Even, well, I'm I Boban, on, Boban in the Boban, NBA, but, Boban. but he is not as he's coordinated. Seven, three. He's Yes, and he's not as coordinated yeah. as Taco Fall. Yeah. But my point with that is he's going up against a legitimate rim protector in Taco Fall. Yeah. Probably the best rim protector in college basketball. Oh, yeah. And Zion Williamson, almost all of his points come exclusively from either at the rim, like within a foot of the rim, or the free throw line. Once in a while, he'll hit a three. Did which he posterize he, him? He didn't posterize him, but that last play uh, offensive possession for the Duke Blue Devils when he uh, what he did a spin move on whoever was guarding him and then took that right into a layup on Taco Fall where... He almost got a Duncan on him, but it was an and-one fouled Taco Fall out of the game. Zion Williamson ended the game with, I believe it was 32 points. Right. And that's going up against someone who, in theory, should have been a horrible matchup for Zion Williamson. Primarily, your game and, is all post, and you have the best post protector in the game. And, and you're able matter. to take it to him like he's a child. It did not matter. And Plain and simple. Taco Fall had a few nice plays, too, but... It just did not matter. Zion Williamson, that game should have been the defining game. Anyone who was not sold on Zion Williamson and all the hype beforehand, if you watch that game and you still are not sold on Zion Williamson as being a NBA league-defining, changing player, I don't know what would have to happen for Completely. And give me Taco Fall in the fucking second round. If you don't take him, you're absolutely out of your fucking mind. 7-6 with body control... Give him to me all day. Only thing you got to worry about with Zion Williamson is the curse of the Blue Devil. That's it. There's no curse. Of it's real, man. Curse. What's the curse fake. of the Blue Devil? Curse of the Blue Devil. Talking about like with Jabari Parker. No, curses with, are fake. No, with something bad happens every single time when a play when a player from Duke gets to superstar level. Something bad happens, whether it's injury, 
on the court or off the court. Are you including Kyrie in that? Or yes, Kyrie's Because included. he's had some yeah, injury problems in the past. Jay Williams, Bobby well, Hurley. Jay Williams was just unfortunate. That didn't Bobby Hurley was unfortunate, to too. Christian Leitner, Grant Hill. Christian Leitner was Elton never, Brand. Grant Hill, yeah. Elton Brand. Uh, okay. Carlos well, Boozer. Guess, you're you're making a good... Carlos, Carlos Boozer. Dude, he tripped not, over his luggage, man. Lost six months. Oh, when he broke his hand? But he wasn't... Carlos Boozer was not. The good lord is good. out to get Duke players, man. We'll call it. A You're conference. wearing a Duke hat while you say that. We'll exactly. We'll I'm saying that's completely. We'll call it a conversation. It's a hundred. It's a hundred percent max right there. That's a talking max about curse. talking about the Duke it's curse real, while he's man. wearing a Duke hat. It's real. He's also wearing a Lance Stevenson Parker, Charlotte man. Bobcats jersey, one of the jerseys that Lance Stevenson never wears. Exactly. So congratulations, Jabari Parker, man. All right, let's see. Uh, who else? Uh, yeah, well, Jabari Parker. Yeah, it. You make a you make a good argument. There's been a lot of Duke players who, but who still been, okay. Oh, J- but still, Jaleel not, Okafor. Jaleel Okafor. Boom. Well, Jaleel Okafor was just not a good. He was just yeah. Player. But when you're when he you're drafted that high at Duke and you're expected to be a stud from Duke, you're not going to be a stud. Oh, okay. Well, which way are you leaning on that argument? Because Kyrie Irving. Absolutely. A stud. Yeah, but when you get to a stud, okay, God takes so a sniper either, rifle to your it's knees. If you're, it's either if you're picked high in the draft as a Duke player, it's either you're gonna be you a don't live up to the hype, or if you do live up to the hype, you're going to be injured and not be the same player that Regardless you could Regardless, Max is going to find a way to I, put holes in your career. So because of that, would you not take Zion number one? Keep That's the only knock against zero. Him. I, I really hope I'm wrong. That's I really hope I'm wrong. The only knock against Zion Williamson is some... Mythical curse, yeah, dude. That's exactly. I really hope I'm wrong. So, yeah, if you were the number one pick, are you taking Zion? Yes, number I one? am. Okay, because otherwise, I, I was going to yeah, position yeah. myself to be the number. No, two I, I really, I really hope I'm wrong. I, I really hope so too, because Zion is just going to be so fun. Oh to my watch. God. Zion number one, 100%. I think the bigger argument, obviously, Zion's going number one, and if anyone takes anyone else, or even. Do you think that there's going to be a report from whoever has the number one pick, any report coming out from that team that, you know what, they're actually considering either John Morant or R.J. Barrett at number one? I think it'd be stupid, but for number Only two... Only if it's Phoenix. For number two, I'm going John Do Morant. you think Phoenix would take someone unless, over Zion? Would no, take unless, John Morant? No, basically, no. unless there was a pre, pre-arranged deal, like, it was, um, say, the Knicks wanted, or Phoenix got number one, the Knicks had number three. And um, number two was a team that was going to take R.J. Barrett. Um, what's his name? Say it'd be like with what Philly did with Boston, like a swap to get Zion, and they would get, or Phoenix would get John Morant and uh, probably an extra pick. Yeah, but Phoenix would trade down. They wouldn't take John Morant at number one, right? No, no, no. They still could take Zion, but Zion still, number yeah. one. Regardless, I'm saying, I'm saying, is. try to give me a scenario where Zion does not go number one. There is no scenario. There is no scenario. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some report coming out. Oh yeah, well the team with the number John one Moran pick number might be considering I R.J. Mean, Barrett at number one. John Moran number two. That's R. J. just R. J. all smokescreen. What did no the. The sorry, go ahead, Max. What did FSU show us about John Morant? That's that's the thing. I don't. I like. No, he I didn't look like he didn't look like a. Uh, I was solid not. I was not too picked. Too to impressed. Me. Yeah. I mean, it exposed his teammates. It yes. exposed his yes. teammates as what they should have been. Yes, I th- as uh, NCJ double The bigger discussion guys. to have is Zion's going number one. Who goes number two? R.J. Barrett or John Morant? John Morant. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think, except for... Unless, unless there's a European guy. Yeah. 
John Morant. I just think, except for if Phoenix has the number two pick, then yeah, John Morant makes a lot of sense. Otherwise, I would much rather want R.J. Barrett than John Morant. I think R.J. Barrett's a year younger. He's maybe not quite as talented right now, but he's a versatile wing who... Just the difference between R.J. Barrett and the type of player that he can become and the type of player that he is right now versus John Morant, who is six foot three, 175 pounds. John Morant has incredible court vision. But defensively, I was not impressed with him. And yes, part of it is he was playing 40 minutes. He had to carry the load offensively. But even aside from that, just whenever he would create, whenever he would make a turnover, and he had quite a few turnovers... He was blaming his teammates. Some of them were on his teammates. Some of them were on him. But I don't like seeing that from the guy who was supposed to be my on-court leader. Take ownership for the turnovers, whether it's your fault or not. Don't embarrass your teammates on the court. I agree. Curse of the Blue Devil, man. What does that have to do with John Morant? I know. It has to do with R.J. Barrett. Only reason I wouldn't select him number two. Okay. I'd still take him number two, but we'll see what happens. So that's all we have for this episode of NBA Unwrapped. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys enjoyed Max's hot takes, if you want to call them that. I'd call them a little... Ridiculous takes. A little out there, but it was fun. It was... Kevin Durant's going to Miami, man. Okay. (laughs) You got anything else before we sign off? That's all I got for right now. I'm sure he'll have more. So make sure to follow him on Twitter at PartyMax, and that's Party with an I. Yes, I remembered again. Follow Perry on Twitter at Perry Aston. Follow me on Twitter at Corbin Unwrapped. Follow the podcast on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. You can also follow our website's website's Twitter page at Unwrapped Sports. Go ahead and check out our website at UnwrappedSports.com. Got new articles flying in every single day. A lot of good ta- content coming in. If you anyone who's listening is interested in writing for us, go ahead and DM one of us on our personal Twitters or on our podcast or website Twitter. We'll be sure to respond to you guys and try to get you guys set up. Make sure to listen to our podcast either on podcast.com or the Apple iTunes podcast app. Make sure to check out the Pulse podcast app as well. Again, a lot of really good podcasts on there, not just sports-related, but all types of different genres. That's everything we have for this episode. Make sure to tune in next time where I'm sure there's going to be some other stuff that's come up in the NBA. More stuff happens every day, and I'm sure Max will have some more fiery, ridiculous takes as well. So thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Have a good one, fam.